0: Welcome to More to Come, P.W. Comic World's bi-weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor at Publishers Weekly and co-editor of P.W. Comics World.
1: And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am also co-editor of P.W. Comics World. I'm also the graphic novel reviews editor for Publishers Weekly. I'm also the editor of The Beat, www.comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate
2: Fitzsimmons. I'm their podcast producer, and I'm also an assistant editor at the beat and I write for both
0: all right uh, this week on our year in edition of more to come uh, the passing of three comics giants 2011 sales uh, go positive Uh, we're going to take a look at the year in in review and we're going to look at bookstores at the 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 arrival of digital digital distribution manga consolidation u.s. comics publishers uh, the rise of kickstarter Women in Comics, I'll uh, look back at, at the developments here at Comics World and News Briefs. But uh, let's kick off this uh, more-to-come uh, podcast uh, with a look at the passing of uh, three great
1: comics. Yes, giants. it was a really uh, sad week for losing uh, great cartoonists. Last week, Jerry Robinson died, and uh, just today, uh, the passing of both Joe Simon and Eduardo Barreto. Yeah, Um
0: Um, Well, I mean, obviously we could do an entire podcast on on any of these guys. Um, uh, I actually uh, was talking just a bit with uh, um, one of his publishers, uh, Titan Books. I mean, what can you say about Joe Simon? He was 98. um, uh, The the, the co-creator of Captain America, um, along with his co-creator, Jack Kirby, um, he produced works in pretty much every genre there is including inventing I think most of the ones that we consider to be great comics genres today from women's comics to uh, boys adventure comics I mean the list goes on and on Um, uh, even at the the age of 98 he was showing up at conventions and signing books and being around with the fans uh... really uh, a guy that. upon whose back this industry was built.
2: Kate, okay, didn't you go to a, yeah. a speech by him? Yeah, you? I saw him at New York Comic Con this past year, and I'm really glad I did. I mean, he repeated himself a bit, but he was astonishingly sharp for 98 and had some great stories. And, in fact, remembered Dan Lee as an obnoxious, supposedly 17-year-old kid.
0: <laughs> Whom he hired as a Who he hired,
2: and who... Looking back, he he realizes he probably should not have taken the now supposedly lying about his age and actually 14 or 15 Stanley out to play pool at like (laughs) 3 (laughs) a.m.
1: Wow, that's great. Yeah, I mean, mean, just having Joe Simon around, he was absolutely one of the total pillars of the Golden Age. Uh, Simon and Kirby were um just uh founders founders yeah foundational creators who made the best work and all the genres that came out and as calvin mentioned i mean i think titan books has been reprinting some of their stuff and mm. um i think didn't abrams put out a book too also there's been quite a few books that have come out recently as well there some should of their be. stuff. and simon has a autobiography that's out that he has he's edited a, a few times but um so he did tell yes. his life story he, uh, he updated it. Also. Yeah, and I mean, I just think it's uh, it's amazing that we got to meet this guy, you know, yeah. or hear him mm-hmm. talk. I mean, it would be like, you know, being able to go to a convention and listen to D. W. Griffith talk about movies, or Seriously. you know, Charles Dickens talk about the novel, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just the fact that we're in comics. So, I mean, one of the things that really makes it special is is being able to have have talk to these these founding fathers and mothers. And mm-hmm. uh, Jerry Robinson, was, of course, was also a, a founding father. Um, he was also a very young guy, as so many of them were, when he was hired by uh, an equally teenage Bob Kane to work on his new character, Batman, and uh, Jerry Robinson created Robin, he created the Joker, uh, he, cre- he he as an artist he created some of the most recognizable parts of the Batman legend, and he went on to work on quite a few comics, but really his greatest achievements came afterwards, because he was just a quality person. He really fought mm-hmm. for the little guy. Uh, he flew around the world to help free mm-hmm. cartoonists who were imprisoned. Um, he fought for Siegel and Schuster to get their rights. He was the president of the National Cartoonist Society. I mean, the mm-hmm. list goes on and on and on. And he, again, was also a wonderful ambassador at yeah. recent shows. He was always around, just always... Comic Yeah, and, you know. I'm pretty sure I have a sketch from him in my sketchbook. Mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. got him to do a doodle for me. And, you know, what a thrill. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just the fact that we could meet these people.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, also passing Eduardo mm-hmm. yes. Barreto, yes. Uh, from, uh, born in Uruguay, uh, best known for his 80s work in Teen Titans, but a fantastic draftsman of kind of the old school. Uh, his stuff is, is maybe a little old-fashioned, but, you know, if that's the old-fashioned, I, I wish it would it still we'll all be. take it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I wish it was still around, you know.
0: Um, and
1: he had been ill for a while with meningitis, but I believe that had actually turned into a different illness. He had been working on Judge Parker comic strip for a while until he was too ill to work on it. And um, But he was a gentleman. He was just, you know, really admired by everybody. So we've really lost three pretty wonderful people.
0: Um, moving on to... Um Uh, take a look at the year in review. But um, in particular, we're going to look at sales.
2: Thanks to strong November sales, for the first time all year, 2011 has now officially exceeded 2010 in year-to-date comic sales numbers, topping last year by 5.47% in units and 1.87% in dollars. DC continues to outpace Marvel in sales yeah so
1: this is the first up year since um since two thousand and eight I believe so uh or two thousand seven i mean uh the the years of sales have been flat I mean they've been down by a very small number since two thousand and seven I mean like you know five percent or two percent or something like that um I think last year they were down about ten percent around so but i mean that's that's a real testament to the new fifty two if it had not been for that, yeah. we would really have seen a big decline this year so that's good news up is always good yeah. yeah. Okay, and now we're going to look at the, speaking of 2011, let's take a look back at all the developments in various areas. So I guess the biggest story of the year, sort of, was bookstores, and the big story there was borders. Bye, bye, by
0: borders. borders. Yeah. So this we
2: all saw it coming, but it finally came.
0: Well, it's also uh, you know, a, a bankruptcy that's really going to uh, have a big impact on, on the bottom line of the whole industry. Uh, it, it probably will impact manga the most, but certainly across the board. I mean, if you lose 650 stores across the country, um, it's got to hurt. And, and
2: not just that. I mean, Borders really stock the graphic novels and manga, like even, even more than uh, Barnes & Noble does. And so it's been a very big hit. Yeah, it was definitely
1: the, uh, the you know leading the way in the whole bookstore revolution, and, and this was a story that unfolded like a soap opera for the first six months of the year. It was be you know are they or aren't they? You know are we trying to refund and we have a new CEO and this guy's in this guy's out. I mean it really was a very dramatic saga, and luckily the fact that it was such a slow moving train wreck, I think it gave publishers a chance to Get at out. least position themselves. So. um you know, this is definitely something that that had quite a quite a big impact. But
0: yeah, well, we've also seen in, in uh, among the big New York trade book houses. We've seen some pulling back from from the category. Um, I think at the end of the day, particularly in you know, we're going to see manga down in a big way. Um, Overall, I mean, the book market still seems to be hanging in there. Um, uh, I'm still seeing, you know, uh, uh, we're still seeing more a- adaptations come. In. in fact, the new one just came across my desk today. So we're going into uh, into. Uh, oh, and, as a matter of fact, in uh, just having a brief conversation with my boss uh, uh, Jim Millett, who is our uh, our financial and business editor, I mean, he kind of sees the industry as uh, overall the book industry being flat to down this year. Um, uh, with uh, a big upside, basically, on the digital side. And yeah. e-books, of course, are going through the roof. Um, uh, print sales will probably be down uh, significantly, and that could be anywhere from around 3 to 5%. Uh, and, and, uh, in large measure, uh, due to the failure of borders.
1: Yeah, and I, I, it, it's definitely... Uh, graphic novels in bookstores are a mature... Market, I would say. I mean, we've seen some, you know, big gains there, and we're still seeing some areas uh, growing, uh, like kids' comics. I think are still yes. in a growth yeah. mode, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's stabilized, and of course, in this economy, you know, uh, like down two percent is the new up. So yeah,
0: absolutely, <laughs> you know. I mean, historically, in a traditional book market, um, up or down three percent over a year is pretty much what the industry does. I mean, it's simply. Not a high-margin industry, uh, but we're also in a in a in a period now of transition and fundamental change in the business. So uh, you know things are a little bit all over the place. You know as digital as a digital transition takes place and happens and is taking place even faster. Than most publishers anticipate.
1: Yes, and uh, I mean, I think the other uh, thing to talk about in the bookstore market this year was really that um, big, big authors and big titles yes. were really the yes. things that made a, a splash. Um, in July, it was announced that Brian Lee O'Malley, who's Scott Pilgrim really is a huge million-selling series in bookstores uh, would be doing his new book for uh, The Lard, uh, The Random House Imprint, and we don't know really much about it at all. He's other than a rare... the title,
0: it's called Seconds, yes. um, um, and other than uh, his editor and his agent, that's pretty much about yeah. all uh, he's willing to talk about.
1: Yes, it. And, and in that he sort of follows a little bit uh, the steps of Craig Thompson, who made a similar move after Blankets, his big indie hit, although he talked a lot about Habibi in the seven years mm-hmm. that he was working on it, and uh, that book came out this year um so it was a uh, mm-hmm. it was uh, <laughs> and, uh two mixed reviews mm-hmm. including yeah. one of our own podcasters mm-hmm. here who's uh, making uh, faces. faces yes you
0: can go back and listen and to yes, it yes and yeah. who didn't oh. like
1: it but um you know i think it was a year for big authors mm-hmm. uh craig thompson book did make a splash on mm-hmm. uh, made a mouse came out mm-hmm. from random house um mm-hmm. frank yes. miller had his book come out um kate beaton's park vagrant from drawn and mm-hmm. was a big bookstore yeah. hit um
0: but walking dead and, continues yes. uh, to to rack up pretty big sales um, I mean, in fact, I've uh, got a few numbers here. I mean, you know. Wow, oh,
1: numbers, Calvin. so yeah. hold yeah, I
0: Well, mean, I mean, obviously there's a lot of attention on Habibi. And while, you know, I have to say the book scan numbers on it don't look spectacular, but, you know, sort of respectable. It's all just under 14,000 copies. How, how's the uh,
2: book scan numbers on Harka Vagrant?
0: Uh, Harker Vagrant sold just under 9,000 copies uh, in the bookstore market. These numbers are strictly the bookstore market, and and they cover 60 to 70 percent of the bookstore market. So uh, it doesn't cover the library market, doesn't cover some independents, uh, doesn't cover the direct market either. Well, so, for something
2: that had basically no marketing, yeah. that's that's not bad.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. and, and actually, the Walking Dead Compendium volume, a book that was published in, in uh, 2009, Will probably come in as one of the best-selling graphic novels of the year. The mammoth edition, which is a $60 book, uh, sold just under 28,000 copies. Um, what else do we have here? People
2: love their zombies. Uh,
0: yeah, um, uh, the Scott Pilgrim box set sold about 10,000 copies, um, and Watchmen always, always there at the end of the year, sold about 19,000 copies. So uh, you know we have our uh, evergreens that ju- that uh, that chime in with sales every year. And
1: those are reasonable numbers. I mean, those yeah. are maybe not yeah. as spectacular as some uh, past years' numbers, but it was, uh, you know, they were certainly respectable. So, you know, yes. this is a mature market. Bookstores, I guess, I think the main watchword in 2011 was despite borders, uh, people had prepared for it and uh, rallied and, it you know, out. were, were yeah. fairly stable. It yeah. was stable, but but nothing spectacular.
0: Yeah, and I mean, what I, I've heard just in certain conversations, people expect to be a pretty good year in, in comics and graphic novels in general, general down slightly, if maybe a little more than slightly on the manga side.
1: Well, speaking of bookstores, uh, while they might have been down a little bit, I think there's one thing that we can all agree that was up, up, and away. And that was digital. It really oh, yes. was the year of digital, and oh doubt. my God, we have so many little things that happen here. I don't think we can even where did we that. start. I uh, mean, where I mean, do we start?
0: Obviously, uh, I mean, Comixology has turned out to be the vendor, the digital vendor of the motor, both as an uh, as an app developer uh, and as a distribution uh, platform. Um, but I guess the whole thing kind of started off early in the year with Diamond Digital.
1: Well, it? I mean, I think that was you know one of the hallmarks. I mean, everybody. Uh, Pretty much you name a company, they launched some sort of initiative this year, except for a few uh, 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 literary comics holdouts, okay, which to be discussed. But uh, Diamond announced that they would allow retailers to sell digital comics uh, via a storefront run by iVerse. Um, and nice. Comixology also announced that they would be also allowing a storefront for uh, stores that wanted to put it on their website. And both of these, well, Diamond hasn't ever really launched
2: theirs, I don't think. Uh, Have they never done it? I think
0: they I yeah. think
1: they're still in mm-hmm. kind of beta. I, so they just sort
2: of talked about it mm-hmm. a lot. Well, they
1: mm-hmm. talked about it a lot, mm-hmm. and, I, and it, it is in beta testing, but I, mm-hmm. I haven't heard a lot of, of feedback about it. Comixology's mm-hmm. initiative was really met with horrible... Uh, horrible reactions from some retailers because their terms were not very good and uh, that they were needed to be it's amended. Just they launched favor, with about, they really. still launched
0: with about 100 retailers or something yes, like Yes, they or, did. Yes, mm-hmm. yes.
1: But, uh, but it's still... I, I, if there's one watch word for digital. It's up, up, and away, except among comic stores where... Um, I saw a retailer today uh, comparing it to you know being led into the slaughterhouse.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah. so there's a lot of suspicion. Well, it, well, it does he, some retailers, I mean, it, beyond Brian Hibbs, um, who who do sort of see it, uh, retailers uh, deal with digital as being complicited in, in their own sort of uh, massacre, um, right. Uh, Regardless of the fact that this is some, this is a platform that's coming. You know, whether you're on board or not. You
2: can complain all you want, but it's going to happen. Yeah, I thought,
1: yeah. Thanks, Kate. That, <laughs> you know, I I couldn't agree more. But uh, um, and you know, why are some of the reasons that retailers are so upset? Oh my God. Well, let's look at some of the things that happened. Pricing. Dark Horse. Well, no, I was going to say Dark Horse launched mm-hmm. their own store. Yes. Um, you know, IDW has launched all of their stores. You know, mm-hmm. DC had a huge initiative. Um, with the rise of the tablets. I mean, that was the other big story, was that uh, tablets. It was the year of the tablets.
0: Well, obviously, we can start with the iPad sort of kicking off the whole, in some ways, kicking the the industry into taking a serious look at this. But along a little bit later came the Amazon Fire and uh, its exclusive deal with DC uh, that seemed to... uh, Prom, Piss
1: off Barnes and Noble? them off, uh,
0: royally and uh, it created a small um, uh, boycott, apparently, of, um, of DC graphic novels, at least at, at, least at Barnes and Noble stores. Um, books a Million, um, it supposedly joined in the boycott. Boycott. Um, but it seemed to be a soft boycott for bit <laughs> You're right. As, as we found out, it seems as all the books are still in the stores. Right, right. So, but it was a, a, was a press in release, name only. a press release boycott.
1: Yeah. They took a strong stand of sending out a press release.
0: Um, but uh, I would—I have to be uh, present at the launch of the uh, the Nook tablet here in New York, um, Barnes and Noble's uh, upgraded um, uh, tablet. And of course, they—one of the things they seem to be most proud of was they said, no problem, uh, we'll find somebody to do an exclusive deal, with, or probably not exclusive. But the M- Marvel Comics was splattered all over every ch- slide they had to show. Other than the tablet, So we seem to have a small um, kind of tablet war going on looking for comics content, uh, and, and we shouldn't leave out the Kobo Vox, another $200 um, you know, Android-driven uh, um, tablet, 7-inch tablet, uh, that is, it, I believe is launching with Archie Comics on it and trolling for more content even as we speak.
1: Yes, and uh, good luck to them. And uh, the tablet is uh the most wanted uh, item for Christmas this year. This is like if you remember back, I think it was maybe 1999 or the year 2000. It was back. You know, back at the turn of the century <laughs> yes. when everybody got a modem for Christmas. Because you know, back in the day, laptops did not have built in modems. You had to buy a modem and everybody got a modem. And on December twenty sixth, literally AOL crashed because everybody had their modem and oh, modems <laughs> were, were cool. further back than
0: that. Right. I won't imitate the sound. Yes, but they were going up.
1: Yeah, we're all showing our age, but anyway. Yes, yes. So I think this is really what's gonna happen on December. So, 26th yourself, I was 12. Of uh, this year. They are going to get their tablets, mm-hmm. and they're going to start buying stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I think is really most remarkable about all these new tablets is they have all launched with comics in the mix. Yes. I yes. mean, it isn't like a mystery of when we first started. I mean, I remember the first tentative steps when, uh, two years ago, IDW sold their first Star Trek comic on the iPhone, and everybody mm-hmm. was like,
2: <gasps> And God. they were sort of crap.
1: They were, they mm-hmm. were. I mean, I mean, in formatting. Yes. They've yes. improved much. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah, exactly. But I mean, everybody was like, oh, what do you, what do you make of that? You know, like, yeah. and now it, it, they're all coming out and all the tablets are advertising that they have, right. you know, and the fact that Kindle is so aggressive, Amazon, very aggressive
2: with DC in oh, making absolutely. this deal. So. Yeah, yeah, as absolutely. well, they should be. I mean, it's, it's almost tailor-made for the tablet and mm-hmm. as something to, why you would get a tablet that does color instead of just like well, regular Kindle?
0: Yeah, the iPad, you know, its biggest innovation was allowing you to really to look at a full page of comics, yes. essentially oh, yes. undisturbed. Uh, those these smaller tablets that are that are now in, in, entering the market it require a little adjustment, but once again, uh, really brilliant vivid screens. Uh, it becomes very easy to read comics on them. Uh, obviously, even easier to buy comics on them. Um, and you know, the seven-inch um, Android, in, you know, or a customized Android operating system, seems now to be the go-to kind of uh, technology platform for competing with the iPad, because essentially you're competing on price. Um,
2: um, which is not of the iPad. Yeah, because because the obviously iPad the iPad
0: is the better device, you know, ultimately. But, um, you know, 500 $600 to $200, which seems to become the new standard now. Um, it, it gives you a chance to compete against it. Because in fact what we're not seeing is not a, really a tablet marketplace but in fact an iPad marketplace because yes. that's what most people actually want. Mm-hmm. But the pricing does make them, give them pause. And I mean Apple is, um, excuse me, Amazon um, is projected to sell 5 or 6 million uh, units of this thing. Yeah.
1: Although People who have bought the Kindle, some of them have found it really crappy and yeah. are returning yeah. it. There's been a lot of returns yeah. on the Kindle so far because they, um, it's true. very slow,
2: uh, has a very small memory, and various I've, reasons. I've heard the, uh, the Nook is, is much better. Yeah. It's really very nice. Yeah. But
0: I, I will say this. It, it, it's actually not surprising for a new device to not be right. functioning terribly I, well. I, I not surprising. I, you can expect uh, a software update, I think, in the next few weeks and al- for Amazon. That will improve it. And also,
1: the real bottom line for Amazon is they are selling the, the old Kindle, the black and white Kindle, at a loss at $69. I mean, that's incredibly cheaply because they realize. That. People Where, will buy books from them. People will buy material from them. They want that, content. Yes. They want to be a content portal, and comics are going to be a part of that. Uh,
0: and, and that is the Amazon model. They, they know they will make many times over uh, whatever they may be losing on each device. They will make it many times over on the amount of content that they sell through the device. It's documented that Kindle owners buy two or three times as much content uh, actually as physical consumers.
1: Well, there you go. No wonder comic shops are nervous. I mean, they have every right to be nervous about this. And uh, I think the big story of 2012 is going to be how these two markets coexist and, and evolve.
0: And uh, and we'll be watching the rapid growth of the digital space.
1: Well, speaking of uh, mature markets and everything, it was a year of consolidation in manga. Although manga is still here, still represented very strongly on the book scan, still selling a lot of copies. Sailor Moon was a huge hit coming out from Kodansha. Absolutely. Um, The big story earlier in the year was Tokyo Pop, Um, you know. Kicking up, uh, yeah. pushing up daisies, you know, singing in the choir, invisible, uh, the, pining for the fjords. <laughs> the, uh, the
0: the the uh, the company that uh, uh, characterized itself as leading the manga revolution um, uh, was overthrown itself apparently yes. uh, by um, you know a series of market changes and and bad business decisions. Hmm. Um, uh, Stu Levy. Uh, appeared to be trying to keep the company going, uh, so, and in the interview that I had with him early in the year, he, uh, after a series of layoffs, he seemed to be positioning the company to keep going. They had changed distribution from uh, their original deal with HarperCollins. Uh, they had moved over to uh, uh, Diamond Book Distribution. Um, but, you know, I mean, Stu seems to really, by that point, to have be looking at other things? I mean, I I think I interviewed him uh, while he was at the Game Developers Conference.
1: Well, he's always been known as someone with a pretty short attention span. Mm -hmm. And I think the end of Tokyo Pop really showed that. uh, Yeah, You know, it's presaged by a few layoffs, including some very, you know, well-respected people like editor Lillian Dziaz prezmal and Very good. Yes, yes, I, I, I practiced, I practiced, I practiced. But, um, and then he was like, oh, the, you know, why is everyone being so mean to me? Why are people, I mean, he went on this Facebook rampage where he was really complaining about people complaining about him for people losing their jobs and shutting down a company. And also, to this day, I mean, there are a lot of series that Talkie Pop did not finish and the complaints, like people even to this
2: day are complaining on Facebook. A number uh, of them are showing up on Kickstarter. Oh, oh,
0: really? really? I oh, didn't know that. That's very interesting. Yes. Well, Stu um, Stu Levy uh, remained, uh, was and remains a, uh, a, a flashpoint uh, 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 in the business. Um, you know, I do think, on the one hand, I'll, I'll do one of those. On the one hand, uh, he uh, was certainly a visionary about uh, the category. Uh, he saw a category that had international popularity, and he was among uh, a number of publishers. Uh, into the marketplace. Uh, he uh, championed, along with a number of the others, um, the publishing in the original Japanese format, Reading Right to Left, which uh, went a long way for, uh, for driving the popularity. Um, and, um, he, uh, he launched a whole new category, controversial, uh, original English language manga, um, even though I mean, a lot of it sort of looked like indie comics to some people. Uh, He was happy to call it manga, and so was everyone else until, um, you know, they started coming back in returns. Um, That said, uh, a lot of people lost their jobs, and there's a lot of content that's still um, under copyright to Tokyo Pop uh, that many people would like to know what's going to happen. And and there are movie deals, apparently, uh, in the works. Supposedly. To some degree. Uh, I do believe, I think the German Tokyo Pop, remains and continues to publish. Yes, in, uh, in Europe, publish, they are actually where, still publishing yeah.
1: because it's still a very viable market yeah. in Europe. But, uh, you know, there's it, the closing of Tokyo Pop was not only the end of the era, it really did leave a lot of people uh, sitting high, you know, kind of stuck in a, in a, in a tree, talk, tree trunk there, you know, left. But, so, a lot of sad, hard feelings about that. But, but. that
0: wasn't the only um, no. manga event of the year um uh, we also had uh, Kodansha, uh really setting up shop I- in the US um and we also had them uh, acquiring Verti- vertical vertical ink uh an interesting uh, acquisition at the time um uh, including uh Dai Nippon the printer uh, uh really uh, they both acquired at 46% Yeah it was 46%. Kind of, I think it was one of those weird yeah.
1: Japanese deals yeah. where you know they both
0: have an interest in yeah The so, uh, Ish- over at uh, Vertical did uh give me some insights into why that D- you know was you know the deal because it, it's obviously going to give them some printing uh, cost savings um, and I, I think in the context of Japanese publishing that's not so unusual for a printer to sort of be a, be a part of the deal. Um, but um, uh, uh, in addition to that, I mean Kodansha also launched its own app this year. In fact, one of the big I think one of the big things we, we saw in uh, in 2011 was that finally uh, American licensees. were were able to pry digital rights away from some of the Japanese publishers. They've been notoriously slow in giving up digital rights uh, as um, uh, uh, scanlation and Pirate Sites are eating their lunch. Uh, I think the sales decline has finally uh, gotten Japanese publishers to realize that they've got to take some kind of action in the American market. Um, And in addition uh, to Kodansha, we had the launch of j manga
2: yeah. Uh, manga, for all that its pricing and uh, payment scheme, is a little yeah. questionable. And what is it? Is a site from a consortium of Japanese publishers. Uh, I'm not sure. The Basically Digital com- the the digital
0: ones. Comics Association of Japan. Yes. 39 publishers.
2: Yeah. And all the big ones. Yes,
0: yeah, all the big ones, yes.
2: Is uh, putting out a lot of their lesser-known manga in digital editions in the United States. Yes.
0: So on the one hand, they're they're trying to uh, provide what most critics of Japanese publishers have been calling for: easy and economical access to digital manga uh, as soon as possible.
2: Sadly, it's not exactly easy, but they'll get there. They'll get there.
0: Uh, On the other hand, we've seen uh, Viz Media really step up to 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 meet the challenge. Uh, yeah, Viz, uh, they launched biz, biz Manga.com, which offered online access to digital manga. They launched uh, a, a both an iPad, an, an iPhone, and iPod app. Uh, there is well over 100 volumes uh, of various Viz Media uh, manga now available digital. Digital manga-wise,
2: uh, they're the active beat.
0: Yes, uh, uh, Yin Press uh, got in on the act as well. They're, uh, they they released a single volume through their Yin Plus online uh, magazine. But but both Yin Press and Viz are getting very close to really I think what manga fans would consider to be the gold standard of of American releases, and that's its simultaneous release in Japanese and English. I mean, this is what is what driving is seems to be driving fans.
2: Yes, this, much like uh, Hulu and Crunchyroll online. Yeah, for I mean, the anime. fans
0: want to read what Japanese fans are reading. Uh, so this manga is also launching, and they, they, they did this launch at um, at the San Diego Comic Con. They are they are shutting down the print version of um, Shonen, Shonen Jump. Jump. Which uh, seemed
1: a very surprising move, really, because it still had an audience. But it had a
0: fairly big audience. Um, but once again, digital delivery seems to be uh, where they need to be... And people
1: just don't need to go buy so many bookshelves anymore. You know, <laughs> it know, This goes. is really like, you know, it's, will this kill, I mean, you know, will this kill the Billy at <laughs> Ikea? No one's really talking about that, but...
0: Well, in January, look to see Weekly Shonen Jump Alpha, a mm-hmm. near-simultaneous uh, um, anthology publication that will uh, will release, I believe, in in Japanese and uh, it will release about uh, two weeks, with about a two-week lead time in between the Japanese publication and the Any Secrets publication. A
2: great last-minute gift for
0: all those manga (laughs) lovers in your life.
1: And, you know, I guess even though he, he, you know, Stuart Levy was right, because one of the things that he was always saying is that manga was a worldwide force that brought people together, and, you you know, he did have that vision. Without a doubt. Even if he couldn't pull it off himself.
0: He he was a visionary enough to see that. Uh, Kate, the digital manga guild, I think that's another important issue Uh, In manga in in
2: 2011. Yeah, Uh, the digital manga guild basically was started by digital manga company. Yeah, Uh, Uh, digital
0: uh, digital manga publishing. Digital manga. Yes.
2: And basically, it's like legalized (laughs) scanslations. They're they're um, accepting teams of of non-professional translators to translate obscure manga. Yes. And then on a...
0: And a lot, but a lot of it. They've a lot of it. they hundreds of times, Large
2: amounts of it on a consignment basis. Yes. With the idea that um, these books that a small audience in the United States is clamoring for uh, that otherwise would go into cancellation and the creators wouldn't get any money for, now they can at least get money that way, even if there isn't enough sales to support a print round.
0: Yeah. The Digital Manga Guild's model is to sort of change it a little bit. I mean, a lot, some of the, uh, the complaints about uh, a Japanese uh, licensors, uh, is that the licensing process is tediously long and incredibly expensive. They generally expect to be, receive big payments upfront before anything is translated or published or released in the market. Uh, the Digital Manga Guild kind of turns it on its head. They basically are soliciting amateurs uh, to come in, they put them in teams uh, uh, to do locali- localization of the manga, in other words, you know, translated into colloquial English and um, everyone is going to get paid on the back end when when the book starts selling. Uh, this way, that supposedly, they can get it done faster and not go broke in the process. We will see. Uh, we don't know whether it's going to work. Some people uh, you know, kind of look at the list of manga that they got and roll their eyes. But, but you've you know, got somebody to wants them. Somebody wants them, and I think we've got to give uh, the, uh, the, uh, the CEO at Digital Manga uh, Publishing, uh, uh, Ikaru uh, Sasahara, uh, some credit. He, he's a guy who is always kind of looking for another angle. Uh, and in, in a business that really they need some new thinking and some fresh thinking and some way to, to really kick this category in, in, um, back into the, uh, the kind of sales that we were seeing earlier.
2: And hey, who knows? Maybe Midnight Secretary will finally come out legally oh, in the man. United States. <laughs> I hope so.
0: <laughs> okay. It's
2: office drama with vampires. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> this marks the end of Part 1 of Episode 14, our special double-length, More to come.